one of the things I really noticed when I came out of school, I did a lot of corporate tax, but I also spent quite a bit of time on high net worth individuals. And one thing I really noticed going through those tax returns is you don't see a lot of high net worth W-2 earners. What you're going to find going through those tax returns is a lot of K-1s, a lot of limited partnerships, uh, different sort of investment trusts. And, uh, you know, that really was what triggered my interest in real estate. I'm ready to talk to you one-on-one about working together. If you think back, many of the successful multifamily investors I've interviewed here on this show, their first step into this space was becoming a passive equity partner. One of the many benefits is the opportunity to build a track record that allows you to have more credibility with sellers, brokers, and your own passive investors. My company has about 700 doors that we're actively working on right now. And when these go to contract, we bring these opportunities to the accredited investors that are on our list. If you've already been thinking about getting a portfolio of multifamily doors, then now is a great opportunity for you to be involved with Blue Spruce Holdings as a passive equity partner. One of the unique things that my team does for our equity partners is sending out invites when we tour a new property, which allows them to see what we look for, along with getting to know the building and the neighborhood and even meeting some of the residents. So if you're ready to take the next step and set up a one-on-one call with me, then please find my calendar link in today's show notes and let's talk. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Adams. This is the show where we're going to come, where you're going to learn all the ins and outs, the out-of-box strategies that you're not used to hearing. So we really dive deep and we find out what makes these people successful. And today we're going to have a lot of fun. We've got Ian Love from Seattle, Washington. Ian is a CPA. He's coming up on his 10-year mark for being a tax CPA. So he currently is holding down a W-2 job. But what's interesting, guys, is that for the last eight years, he's been involved in real estate investing as well. He started with a duplex. He still owns that. And now he's getting into small multifamily or he got into small multifamily. And now he's looking at a a 70 unit portfolio and he's focusing on syndication as multifamily. So we do a lot of that on this podcast. Ian, it's a pleasure to have you, my friend. Tell us a little bit more about the background that I missed and let's get into the questions. CPA background, as you mentioned, born and raised in Seattle, Washington. Uh, You know, went to school on the east side of the state and at Washington State, go Cougs, uh, and then came out straight into public accounting as a tax specialist with uh, you know, one of the big four firms, the traditional kind of path that you'll take uh, going down that road. And uh, one of the things I really noticed when I came out of school, I did a lot of corporate tax, but I also spent quite a bit of time on high net worth individuals. And one thing I really noticed going through those tax returns is you don't see a lot of high net worth W-2 earners. What you're gonna find going through those tax returns is a lot of K-1s, a lot of limited partners, partnerships, different sort of investment trusts. And, uh, you know, that really was what triggered my interest in real estate uh, and got me thinking outside the box a little bit and thinking about different ways that I could invest so that I didn't have to work, you know, the 78 hours a week that uh, some of those new tax staff have to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of, a lot of good stuff. So let's, let's get into this interview. I'm excited because Basically, just following your journey, I think it's going to inspire a lot of people to do the same journey. 
And mm-hmm. you're right there, you know, getting into the syndications, getting out of small multifamily. And I think it's very exciting. Just to clarify a couple of these is, could you tell us what is a K-1? Yeah, so a K-1 is what you're going to receive if you are uh, an investor or some sort of a partner in a partnership. So the way that a partnership works is that it's not actually taxed at the the entity level. The income or profits from that partnership are actually uh, flow through. So they flow through to the individual partners. And that K-1 is what you would attach as an individual to your 1040 tax return. Okay, great. And yeah. you, you mentioned um, partners, LP, GP. And uh, so can you kind of talk a little bit about when you were uh, doing taxes for these high yeah. net worth individuals from Seattle, what yeah. were you seeing as far as LP and GP? And also go ahead and define LP and GP. Yeah, so uh, limited partner and general partner, LP, GP. So a GP is generally going to be somebody that is the active partner. They're very involved in uh, the business dealing of whatever partnership that is or whatever the business is that you're involved in. Uh, you're generally going to see a little bit higher uh, percentage ownership or percentage distribution of uh, profit and loss. Um, and in LP, you're more of a passive investor. Uh, you're generally just looking for a good return on your money. You're not looking to be involved in the day-to-day runnings of this business. You're really just uh, looking to diversify more than anything and uh, you know, let somebody that's an expert in that field run the show and uh, learn a little bit and you know, benefit from the, the income on that. Okay, cool. A lot, a lot of good yeah. stuff. So what do you think from, uh, from actually you doing the taxes for these high net worth individuals? Mm-hmm. And later I'm going to talk to you, how did you find these high net worth individuals? Because I think that's a hack for the audience for sure. But when you're doing the taxes for these guys, why do you think you noticed so many more LPs and GPs and K1s than you would in a traditional, um, just any other person, maybe let's call it middle class? Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, one of the greatest ways that you can really uh, build wealth is through, uh, through investments and passive income. It's very, very difficult to earn your way into uh, you know, a high, high net worth lifestyle, I guess you'd say. So you really have to get to the point where you're having, you know, money work for you while you sleep. Uh, it can't just be driven by how many hours you work in a day because everybody has 24 hours in a day. It really has to be getting to the point where you're not the one. Uh, it's not a direct correlation between your time trading for money. It's more so uh, a matter of you're letting your money work for you or you're building up systems to the point where, uh, other people or uh, other people can kind of be put in place to run that operation for you. So if awesome. anybody's ever read, yeah, you know, the cash flow quadrant by Kiyosaki, it's, that's really what it hits on is mm. getting to the right side of that quadrant, that investor or business owner mentality is really what you're going to find a lot in these high net worth individuals. And that's something that I learned really early on doing there. Love it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, last question, just for a little bit of details so we all are on the same page with you, is what is an investment trust? How does it work? And uh, how are these people using them, these high net worth individuals using them to make more money? Yeah, so generally you're going to see uh, investment trusts used uh, for real estate investments. It's another entity basically that protects you uh, from a liability perspective. It also generally will uh, allow a sense of anonymity. 
So if, if someone were to come after you, for instance, uh, you know, one of the first things that they're going to look for uh, from a legal perspective, they're going to look at what assets you might hold and see if you're somebody that may be worth going after from a legal perspective. And if, you know, a lot of these high net worth individuals clearly have a lot to lose. Uh, so one of the things that they like to do is put their, put their assets in trusts or put their assets in, uh, in entities that are going to protect them and not allow people to go online and search up what does this person own? Would they be somebody that's worth going after from a uh, litigation standpoint? Great stuff. I've got a few yeah. more questions queued up for you. I'm excited about this interview. Thank you for yeah. coming on, Ian. All right. Cool. So what I want to find out is, uh, first off, I wanna, I'm going to ask you about these high net worth individuals. And, uh, and then I want to really dive into a lot of these details on your house hack, on your duplex. Yeah. So um, when you were a CPA, how did you find all these high net worth individuals to work with? What were you doing yeah. so outside I, the box? You know, I, wish to, I wish I could take the credit for going out and drawing up the business on these guys. But uh, as I mentioned, when I was first starting out, uh, I, I started at Ernst & Young, which is a, one of the big four public accounting firms. So a lot of these clients were... Uh, you know, in the hundred million and plus earners. So at my, you know, at my age, when I was first starting out, 23, 24, uh, a lot of these clients were already clients of the firm. So uh, I wasn't out drumming up the business. I was merely just benefiting from, uh, you know, the situation that I was put in, trying to draw the, trying to draw the most from it. Uh, you know, if I was going to be working, burning the midnight oil, I figured I should try to take something from, something from what I was doing and apply it to my own life and investments. Awesome. Okay. So yeah. how do you think Ernest and Young positions themselves yeah. to attract high net worth individuals? Uh, you know, I think, I think it just comes down to uh, branding, marketing. It's a very similar to what I've been trying to do more of lately, you know, in the syndication realm. Uh, it's really just getting your name out there, providing a high quality service over an extended period of time and uh, really showing consistency. Um, you know, client service is really what it comes down to, I think. So, Awesome stuff. Thank you so much yeah. for going into that. All right. So the first deal you ever did was back in 2011, uh, you, were, you actually bought, <clears throat> excuse me, a duplex that was listed at 355K in the middle of the recession. It was bank owned and you got it for a discount. So tell us how you got that for a discount. Yeah. So at that time, I'd been working for a couple of years. I was able to save up about 30000 so I didn't have a lot of money to play with, uh, but I knew I wanted to get into real estate. As I mentioned, I was I seen, you know, that's the way that I knew I wanted to go and eventually get out of the rat race one day. So I, uh, I knew that generally you, you're going to want to put 10% down. I know there's FHA where you can do three and a half and that sort of thing, but uh, based on my kind of risk profile, I, I was thinking 10% would be a good amount. So I came in with a $250,000 offer and 10% down. Uh, the bank basically kicked me out. They said, no, don't even come back unless it's at least a $300,000 offer. Okay. Um, so I went back with my agent. We talked about it and I said, you know, this, I don't have much more to <laughs> put on this thing, but um, I could do, you know, 260000 if they could help with some of the closing costs. <laughs> so I, I put that offer back in and waited a couple of days and miraculously they, they accepted it. And, uh, you know, I was, there was definitely some sweat equity in there to do, but, uh, it was kind of a diamond in the rough and set me up to learn the ropes as a first time landlord and 
uh, yeah, rent the bottom out and subsidize subsidize that mortgage going forward. So, I love that story, Ian. So it was listed for three fifty five, bank owned. He comes out. He's like, well, oh, I can do two fifty, and these guys are like. Don't even do 250. You can't even put another one unless it's over 300. So this guy goes, uh, I did 260, but they can pay all the closing costs. So it's still 250. And they said, yes. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. So you said it needed a little bit of sweat equity. So you bought this thing. What did you do to it? How does it cash flow? And um, what's your next step? Yeah. So I bought this thing, as you mentioned, is uh, summer of 2011. This thing, it was completely overgrown. It was actually owned by a couple, uh, a couple Microsoft guys that were, uh, you know, they, unfortunately it was the recession. So they, they paid the top of the market. I was able to, you know, get lucky somewhat from, you know, when I was able to buy it. But so the, the numbers on it worked out. Uh, the mortgage was about 1400. At the time I was able to rent the bottom for uh, about a thousand. So I was paying 400 for the top. Um, a lot of the work, it was really landscaping. So sometimes what you'll find in some of these bank owns is they just let the yard completely go. Uh, it may not need as much work on the inside, but from an outsider's perspective, the, you know, it just does not have the curb appeal at all. So people may be turned away from it, but you get inside and a lot of the paint and that sort of thing wasn't too bad. Um, it did have, uh, it, you know, you get in there and the fridge had just all old like curry and it's just, just disgusting so a lot of like just trashed but not really like from a standpoint of very heavy renovations so it was really just kind of giving it the TLC that it needed getting it really cleaned up um, I had to replace a few appliances um, you know that sort of thing so it, was, yeah. it wasn't a huge renovation project it was really just after a couple of years of sitting on the market it was or even a year I think it was but after that time you know it just takes a little bit of work to get back into wow renovation. Yeah. So eight years later, yeah. what is your property worth today? Uh, if you were to look on Zillow, which I know isn't the most accurate all the time, but it's around eight fifty. Holy moly! So you've yeah. you've you've, and what's interesting about this for the audience is it sounds like you more than doubled your money, but when you really really think of it, he just more than doubled the value of the property he exponentially did uh, grew his own money because how much did you put down on that thing? Uh, 26,000. Okay, so you took 26,000 and now you have about 500K in, uh, from your 26,000, is that right? So, yeah, that sounds right. It, that's amazing. So one way people look at it is, is they think, oh, well, he bought it for 400 and now it's, uh, or he bought it for 300 and now it's 800. So he, he did a little more than double, but really when you see the leverage when you're putting down just 10%, putting down 26,000, I think you said, and turning that into a, at least a 500K profit, that's amazing. I'm really, really glad you shared that. So what is your next step with, uh, with this investment? What are you going to do with it now? Uh, so I actually, I still live in it. Uh, I'm planning, you know, this summer, uh, I recently bought a triplex also in the Seattle area that I'm going to be be doing the same thing. I'm going to rent out the duplex on the top and move into the triplex. Uh, I got an owner-occupied loan on that, uh, which gave me the benefit of a little bit lower rate. So I'll be living there for probably a year or two. It's in a better neighborhood. Uh, so I'm excited about that. And uh, yeah, you know, That's same true. thing, same kind of process. And if it works once, you know, it just takes so much pressure off you. 
uh, not having to pay that mortgage on your own. Um, it really opens up the doors to a lot of different uh, options for you as a investor. And uh, definitely would recommend the house hack option for anybody that's new to starting out. And Great. And just, yeah. Thank you so much for going into a lot of these details. One of the things that I want to point out is that this guy, Ian Love, is working 40 to 60 hours a week every week and sometimes 70 hours a week. And he's still able to uh, grow his portfolio with small steps, small strategic steps. So for the audience who's, who's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I could do that, but I've got a full-time job. Ian, uh, it just kind of destroyed that uh, mentality from you because now you know that this is something that's so approachable. And, um, and if we're talking about the, the market cycles, market cycles always change and we can always buy in a, in a really good market cycle. There's always ups, there's always downs. And you've got, you just got to find them like you did, Ian. You find a bank-owned one. This is a lot of really good information uh, and very inspirational even to me. So thank you so much for sharing it all. Uh, we got that triplex. Um, let's see, what other deals have you done? Uh, so my, my second deal out after the duplex, I was able to get a, a fourplex, you know, use some of that money that I saved on the bottom unit, uh, buy a fourplex in Seattle um, for 560000 I was able to borrow... Uh, I was able to borrow uh, 50,000 from my dad actually on that one. I put up 90,000 of my own. So 25% down on the, the 560. And then that one, uh, you know, at the time, the mortgage on that was about $3,200. And the units were all renting. It was for four two bedroom, one bath units, each renting for $800. So it, it was just covering the costs essentially of the mortgage. I was able, I had to pay it couple hundred dollars a month in the early going there but I also knew the market for that area was about 1200 per unit so within six months I was able to get you know those units turned to get up to the twelve hundred dollar uh, range so at that point I was uh, renting for close to five thousand a month on gross income with a thirty two hundred uh, mortgage and then tenants were paying for everything other than water sewer garbage and uh, wow. generally I charge about $50 a person for water, sewer, garbage, and that, that usually works out about right. Uh, hmm. So then, yeah, I refinanced that one, and I was able to uh, pay off my dad that 50000 and then have a little bit extra to roll into a, another duplex. That's really, really cool. So let me ask you, where did you get this 90K? Where, where did this 90K come from? Uh, so as I mentioned, I, I didn't have a mortgage. So I was able to save one to 2,000 a month just from lack of you know, not having to pay. Uh, by that time, I was able to increase the rents uh, to about 1,400 at the bottom of the duplex that I lived in, which covered the, the full mortgage there. Um, it was really just a matter of saving that money that I uh, didn't have to pay on a mortgage and then some of the excess that I was getting from that as well. And then- And none of it, none of it was a refi? Uh, no, not on the first one, no. Okay, so but the first the 90K for the... Yeah. When you got the fourplex and you put 90 and your dad put 50, when mm -hmm. you got that originally, the yep. 90K that you had was money that you were slowly saving up over time, not yeah, a refi. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah. A lot of good stuff. And I, I know that you've got a lot more in your, in your brain that you've done, and I love it. We need to move on to the final five, but right after these messages. Want daily interviews with real estate investors and none of the fluff? 
Go to bestevershow.com where Joe Fairless interviews daily real estate investors and entrepreneurs about their best advice ever. Go to bestevershow.com. But I want to remind you that Blue Spruce Capital is lending on one to four unit fix and flips in multiple states. Contact Blue Spruce Capital by going to the show notes. Question number one of the final five is what is your most creative deal? Which of these is your most creative or is it another one? Yeah, so uh, we didn't get too much into the, the multifamily uh, syndication work yet, but you know, of the, of the deals that we did speak about so far, the, the triplex uh, um, was one that I really liked. It was, uh, it was something I, I got my real estate license a few years back in order to really give myself a, a better shot at some of these deals. I was finding that I was really hand feeding a lot of these uh, brokers in the area with different deals, letting them know what I was looking at, um, asking to be shown the house. And the kind of the, the game of telephone, a few times I felt lost a deal for me or kind of, I missed out on a few opportunities by not having that direct communication with the, mm-hmm. the listing broker. So I went out and got my real estate license. And uh, this was kind of my first example of doing that deal on my own where I, I uh, represented myself. And one of, the, you know, one of the benefits of doing that, I was able to do it at a 0% commission. So uh, you know, it was a little over $800,000 place. So I was able to beat out a few higher offers by just telling the, the listing broker, hey, uh, I can't quite come to that price, but I'll do it for zero commission. So, th- you know, that $25,000 difference brings me a little bit closer to that uh, other offer you have. Also, uh, your excise tax is going to be based on the sales price, not the net amount in, po- in pocket to your seller. So you're going to save a couple percent on, or 1.78 is the rate in Washington. So you'll save a couple percent on that, which brings me a little bit closer to the, you know, your high offer. And I was able to kind of bridge the gap there and get a deal uh, for almost 50,000 less than, you know, the highest offer that they had just by um, working the angle of, uh, you know, a couple tax benefits and, uh, you know, some of the benefits to the seller. And not to mention by taking the zero commission, I didn't have to pay my own ordinary income rates on the the broker's commission that I would have earned on that transaction. Creative real estate really is all about finding a win-win scenario. It's all about negotiating and giving somebody exactly what they want giving somebody exactly what they're needing and solving their problem. And that's exactly what you did. And you saved 50 K in doing so. It's amazing. I love it. And I, you're a very good negotiator. Obviously you're able to see what it is that really helps somebody. Uh, thank you for bringing that up. What is a book you recommend? Uh, a couple of books I'd recommend. I'm a big mindset guy. So, you know, whether it's real estate or finance or any other business that you're in, I really think it starts with the right mindset. Uh, so, you know, Jim Rohn is really somebody that really got me thinking bigger and thinking about the possibilities that are out there for you. Uh, not everybody has a great mentor in their direct circle. So it's really important to seek, seek out, you know, whether it's through podcasts or books or, uh, you know, audible audiobooks, that sort of thing. So Jim Rohn, uh, The Power of Ambition is a really, really good one that I would recommend. Perfect. Uh, let's, let's move on. Jim Rohn, Power of Ambition. What's the five years ago? Where were you? Give us that picture and where are you going to be in five years? What's your vision? Yeah, so five years ago, I was, you know, still in, in my first duplex, living upstairs, working my way up in my corporate job and slowly looking for, uh, looking to scale up my multifamily business. 
And five years from now, I'm really hoping to focus more on the syndication, the larger multifamilies. I'm at about ni 96 units now, uh, and I'm hoping to get to 1,000 within five years and really uh, you know, help teach everybody else around me you know, what's worked for me, what hasn't, and help people kind of get started in real estate. Let me pause on this question because I, I really like the answer. So you said five years ago you were still in your corporate job. Talk to us about what five years ago, what was your portfolio looking like at that time? Because I know you were already in multi, you were already within uh, real estate investing. So what yeah. did it, was it just two units back then or what? Yeah, it, well, it was just the duplex and then the fourplex. Okay, all so right. So I had six units. Five years ago, you had six units. Today, you've got 96 units. And in five years from now, you will have 1,000 units. I love it. All right, so how do you give back? Uh, I really enjoy, you know, I'm on bigger pockets. I'm on, I try to be on as many podcasts as I can. I really just want to uh, network and build that, uh, build that community, much like you've done here. You've done a great job. Uh, I really enjoy meeting people for coffee, lunch, and just people getting started just out of school. I think you really forget how far you've come and you still feel like in real estate, you're always feeling like you're learning and uh, you may not know as much as the next guy, but if you really take a second to look back, you can see how much you do know and how far you've come. And I really enjoy sharing that. And that's kind of one of the benefits of syndication and uh, larger multifamily as well is it really is a win-win situation and uh, yeah. it's actually less work and yeah, less for, work. For and all people, for the sponsor yeah. and yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really fantastic. I 100% agree with you. And I'm going to have you back. I hope you're okay with that. And we're going to talk a lot more about syndications on the next one. Got a lot of, him, of value out of you today for sure. If somebody is listening and they resonate with you and they want to reach out to you, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so uh, you can reach me at uh, my email at ian, I-A-N, at seattlecapitalinvestments.com or uh, also just check out my website at seattlecapitalinvestments.com. All right, Ian, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time. I'm going to have you back. And until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you. Hey, it's DJ. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. We're glad you keep listening to each episode. And I want to ask you to please take a minute to give us a five-star review. And remember, we are not attorneys or CPAs. This is just the stuff you bring to your advisors.